0: There are two great columns on the today. Let's talk about one of them from Jacqueline Roweth, one of our country's leading farming academics. Jacqueline, you make a very good point. You've suggested that what we are experiencing on the land now is this generation's subsidy-free moment. And I agree with you.
1: Yeah, it does, does seem to me like that. And remember, I arrived in the country in 70, 1976, so I was there through the awfulness of the subsidy removal. I was actually working on a sheep and beef station in Taranaki and, mm-hmm. and trying, you know, looking at the accounts and where the money was coming from. And at that stage, 40% of growth farm receipts came from the government and it went practically overnight, just gone.
0: Jacqueline, yeah. we talk about the bad old days, and I refer to it in my column as well, of Longy and Douglas, but if we're realistic about it, the bad old days go back one leadership regime to the Muldoon mm. regime and putting mm. in price controls and farming subsidies and what yeah. Douglas did was ultimately right. But I argue again, and this is where this government's going wrong, they need to take a lesson from history and not beat farmers with a stick, hang a carrot out in front of them. Yeah.
1: Yes, and that was the point of Hey Waka Ekanoa. So what we're really talking about is what just um, our Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has mentioned, which is the just transition. And how do we get the settings right for change when we've actually got these all these regulations coming at us and they're not just for Uh, greenhouse gases, they're also for the water, the welfare, which, of course, in New Zealand is very high, by the way. We must never forget we've got very high welfare. And, of course, we've also got very low emissions. So farmers are trying to deal with all the changes, knowing that they actually do have some of the best systems, best management practices in the world. And a lot of them are saying to me, I'm spending more time on paperwork, for instance, stats New Zealand requiring all that information going in, as well as for the processes, I'm, I'm, when do I get time to actually do the farming and make sure that everything is up to speed?
0: and you're on the board of Dairy NZ. Have, yeah. Has your sector got off lightly?
1: No. And I'm also on the board of Deer New Zealand, Deer Industry New Zealand, and I and do a bit of work with the Foundation for Arable Research. I'm also a member of Federated Farmers and, of course, pay the beef and lamb levy. And I'm looking at... Every, the work that everybody's doing, and we're all working very hard, all the levy groups and federated farmers are working hard for a compromise. Nobody's got exactly what they wanted. Now, the reason that dairy looks as though it's got away lightly is because, A, we don't have the afforestation that's taking out a chunk of sheep and beef land, and therefore um, that's why the production looks looks poor. But dairy has apparently a whole lot of technologies that will apparently be available by 2025 and apparently across most of the sector doing a fantastic job in terms of reducing methane. And I just think pigs just flew past my window. They're not ready.
0: It's the obvious question to ask. We know there are new technologies in the pipeline, but to make the assumption that they're going to be ready to fire in 2025 seems ridiculous, absurd.
1: As aspirational or as one of the beef and lamb policy people says, um, they're heroic. It's just not going to be available at the price costed because that's the other thing. And all the technologies have considerable expense with them associated at the moment. And, of course, all the labour extras and we haven't got any extra labour. So, no, the heroic assumptions that have been made, the aspirational goals, on farm, we know the reality. And I'm looking out at the farms and doing a lot of talking with farmers, as I always try and do, and there's a lot of hurt, misery and lack of comprehension about what else they can do because they put in so many things already to make sure they are best management practice.
0: Jacqueline, let me throw a final number at you, and I guess this depends on whose modelling you believe. But if we are to lose 20% of our sheep and beef production in this country as a result of the government's response to hiwaka Ekonoa, I say to you that is a complete and utter disaster, not only for far, for the farming sector but for our economy.
1: Uh, yes, it would go to forestry, and forestry is not an ongoing income. So the, the issues there uh, we've discussed before, why are you trying to plant your way out of a greenhouse gas problem? Let's get real and provide the most efficient food in the world to the people that want to buy it, which generates an income for the country, which allows us to do social welfare infrastructure and keep the um, the vibrant rural communities the disaster would be in the rural communities and the fact that money from the sheep and beef sector circulates maybe six or seven times within the communities and, of course, ends up in Auckland and Wellington and those places. We have to have the export income in order to do everything that this country wants to do in terms of social welfare, infrastructure, making sure everybody has a good quality of life and the New Zealand farmers are actually showing other countries how to do it.
0: It's all in the column on our website, thecountry.co.nz. Dr. Jacqueline Railworth talking about this generation's subsidy free moment. Thanks for your time, Jacqueline. Pleasure
1: to talk, Jamie. To Bye.